You're listening to MedEx, the Medical Extrusion Podcast, presented by U.S. Extruders. Extrude with confidence. Custom extrusion equipment designed for you and your application. Hello, everybody. This episode of the podcast will focus on nitinol for medical devices, including laser and post-processing. Our guest is Jose Meso, CTO and co-founder of Lightium. Lightium's core focus is to deliver white glove customer service to the nitinol medical device market. I hope you enjoy. Jose, thanks for carving out some time to join us on the MedX podcast today. Thank you, Steve. I'm really excited because um, I'm super interested in nitinol, and, and I know a lot of other people are too. It's such a cool material because of its super elasticity and shape memory characteristics. But beyond that, Tell us a little bit about the unique properties of nitinol that make it an ideal candidate for medical devices, such as self-expanding stents, heart valve frames, and flow diverters. Yeah, so uh, first of all, thank you, Steve, for the time. Like, we're super excited and happy to, you know, share a little bit about our special metal with the plastic community. I think it's awesome what you guys are doing, embracing you know, the plastic and the metal together. So we love it. So uh, thank you for that. Uh, you know, first, you know, natural, you know, you just call it the super elasticity. And that's why, you know, we bring some samples in here just to show, you know, that, right? Because no same way just talking about it than seeing it. So this is an example of a natural cut carbon frame. And when we say super elasticity, this is what we meant, right? It's super elastic, so it's really, really flexible. And right now, this one, we imparted this shape, right? So it's in this shape that it's to create radial force to a vessel. The really cool feature, too, that we love to show people about natinol, right? It's that, you know, when you cool it, so it will maintain whatever shape you put it in. But mm-hmm. once you put it on hot water, it will just, you know, retain uh. the arena condition. And this is really exploited, this this on the on the uh, medical device arena area, because that means that you can package this device on a really small microcapter, and then, you know, it will navigate to the area that it needs to get the delivery. And then it will expand and create greater force to the, to the device. So in hindsight, right on, in, in other terms, it's like super elasticity, corrosion resistance, uh, and you know, you name it. There's a million applications for natural. That's obviously what we're going to be talking about this. But yes, yeah, that example you just said, where you can maybe crimp it and then load it into a sheath and then deliver it. Is that kind of what what you're talking about for an example? Exactly, exactly right. So, you know, captors, and especially for you guys, the, you know, extrusion guys, it's always, it's always round, right? So mm-hmm. we will, you know, super cool this device. We will clean it into a micro captor, right? So then the doctors can deliver this life-saving device from the legs, right? Or from the arms. They will mm-hmm. go all the way from the arm to the heart or to wherever the device is going to be set or used. And again, the beauty is that you can compress it. It can be packaged tight into the catheter. And then we don't need a balloon to expand this. It's self-expandable. That mm-hmm. means that when the doctor deploys the, um, the device inside of the body, 
by itself, it will fill that space and it will create radiant force around that area, opening up a vessel and creating something, you know, the sky's the limit. Again, this is just, you know, more example of like natural force mm-hmm. that we, you know, make here in Lydium. This will be another example of like a robotic assisted surgery type of device. You can see how it's super elastic, right? But if I feel like that, I mean, it will stay on that shape ah. that I put in water. Yeah. It's going yeah. back. Wow. Very cool. You know, some of these unique properties that you just gave a perfect example of this, you know, shape memory. Are, are there limitations to night and all? And traditionally, it's been kind of high cost and, and maybe more used on more advanced modern applications is are there any limitations related to nitinol for instance such as cost or technical sure and it's funny you ask that because you know nitinol even though it's an older alloy right it's been it's been on them in the industry already for a long time still nitinol is the new nitinol like they are doing so much development and you know we're just scratching the surface of the applications of this beautiful metal and the limitations are cost, but as it gets more embraced on the industry, cost is going down. Mm-hmm. For example, years you know, a couple of years ago, nitinol was only being used for the therapy given device. For example, the heart valve, the stent, or whatnot, mm-hmm. but not the delivery system due to the cost. But it has been you know embraced way more on the industry being added to the delivery system. So. I will say to your question, obviously cost, but it's more knowledge, right? That's why, you know, we're bringing the open door and we're open the box to all this, you know, knowledge base of natural, because we want the industry to know how we make this device, the application out there. So they design for it because it's just, you know, beautiful with a lot of applications for medical. And, you know, again, it's the cost and the know-how. Okay. I think that especially it's been always a black box. So that's why, you know, that's why things like this will open up doors to uh, engineers to design more, uh, you know, therapy given uh, devices with these outlets. Jose, I love that, you know, philosophy that you have kind of an open door approach and I might have to take you up on that and maybe take a visit and see your operation. And maybe we'll do some live videos of some of the processes, laser processing. That'd be awesome. We would love to get you here and actually come and form an electropolitan part with us. That that's what we love to do. We love to train people. We love to educate our customers on these, you know, metals so they design better, you know, parts and exploit all these, you know, nice features that you know allow us to do. Okay. Quick question on uh, adding features to nitinol components, wires, hypotubes. Is it possible to add features? For instance, can you centerless grind the distal end to add some flexibility? Can you flare or flange the proximal end for maybe a connector of some sort? Yes, that you know, with natural, definitely the sky's the limit. You know, again, I'm going to bring the same example. This is yeah. the tube that this ball frame was cut, so you can see. How, you know, on the end shape, we have all these tapers and, you know, you name it. We can even make the metal behave completely different by selectively heating some areas. So that means that that specific location will have a look and feel completely different than the rest. 
For example, you know, the, uh, the designer wants this uh, top part to anchor on a vessel harder than on a bifurcation or something like that. He can change it or he can say, hey, I want the stiffness of this area, you know, higher than the other. So we can selectively heat treat only that area. So the feel of the device will be, you know, different. So that's why, you know, it's so important just to educate customers because we want to make smart devices when, you know, you can control how this metal behaves on the body by doing different, you know, uh, techniques of heat treatment, uh, laser processing, electropolishing, you name it. Okay. Wow. That's interesting. So you can selectively alter the properties, maybe ductility or stiffness along the length. Yeah. So right now when we hit street apart, right, the whole entire geometry, it's set up on a tool and it's hit by three, you know, uh, uh, techniques that we have it will be a fluidized bed. It will be aluminum oxide just to get fluidized. The temperatures range from 530C to 550C. Mm -hmm. We also have a salt bath where it's the same thing, but it's just you molten salt and, you know, typical furnaces. So we will constrain the entire part on a tool, then, you know, put a subject to that temperature, then quench it. That will make the entire geometry, you know, change the metallurgical composition and, you know, the, how it will feel. And you train also the shape memory to that mm -hmm. but if we want to selectively heat treat or change the geometry or the field or another location we will take the part out and we will selectively with the lasers put heat on a specific location and then rapidly quench only that area so then the whole frame will have a field minus that area right mm -hmm. because they wanted to expand to the vessel like you name it right interesting Let's talk a little bit about nitinol versus stainless steel. And, and if you can, when is it advantageous to use nitinol versus stainless steel on a device? Steve, when you need super elasticity, right? So we, we process both, uh, both alloys, right? Because the lasers, you know, obviously we cut alloy stainless steel too, right? Mm -hmm. So obviously the cost is a big driver of going nitinol to stainless steel. But stainless steel will always have a, a home on the medical device market, right? Because, again, we can talk about it forever. But yeah. the main difference will be super elasticity and shape memory. Okay. If you need super elasticity or you need to create like a special shape, then obviously not always your key. If it's just, you know, uh, if you just need uh, access or you're creating an aspiration catheter or something like that, then stainless steel, it's more than, you know, capable of, of performing any of those tasks, especially when you com you know, uh, combine them with all the uh, polymers and all that new technology that is around there. But okay. uh, not at all, you know, aside from the cost and the cost mm -hmm. is going down, but it's being embraced more and more and more on the delivery system. It's just, it's just, you know, uh, a notch above, obviously, uh, uh, stainless steel and just in capability wise, right? It just, yeah. Again, it's yeah. a beautiful alloy. There's no, there's no other word for it. <laughs> <laughs> Can you leverage the advantages of nitinol and stainless steel by joining them together in a laser welding process? Yes. So there's, there's several techniques to autogenously that means without adding filler material 
weld wires and there are some wires commercially available with that technology it's just uh it's super um hard to do it repeatedly mm -hmm. and it's really hard to do it on a something that is not a wire what the industry is doing it's you know obviously doing some uh, mechanical uh laser cut features that you can attach to the to both alloys or you know oh, another item that is changing a lot is that you know because of the price of natals going down mm -hmm. a lot of times it doesn't make any financial sense to mix them right aside from you know mechanical mixing but you know with that being said there's processes out there to do it autogenously there's other processes where you add a third metal you know any nickel high nickel alloy to sort of like help with the metallurgical transition between the two alloys because they're just not weldable uh you know autogenously easily uh but with that being said there's other alternatives like you know mechanical bonding uh grinding and whatnot okay I know that uh, nitinol can be heat sensitive during processing. And uh, for that reason, is there a particular laser processing technique that's used, for instance, femtosecond versus long pulse to, to kind of uh, ensure that you maintain the physical properties? Yes. So, as you know, as we discussed before, when we heat treat or when we train the shape memory of nitinol is with heat, right? So, just by that notion, obviously, when we want to cut it, we don't want to put heat because it will damage the metallurgical composition of nitrogen, right? So what we do is that we process this alloy or we cut it with femtosecond lasers. And when we mean femtosecond lasers, just the proof width, right? So the proof width, every pulse of the laser, it's a femtosecond, it's 800 to 600 femtoseconds, which is small enough that the material doesn't have any time to react basically when the photons collide with the metal there's no time to convert that photonic energy into heat so it goes straight to plasma so that's when we you know ablate this part that's a term that means just mm -hmm. basically processing without heat we get these cuts full of like a, this ablated dust on the surface and why we do that because we don't want to thermi thermally damage this material on the other hand, why right, when you weld, you know, you need heat. So uh, that's the, the confusion, right? Welding lasers, they need to impart heat in order to be able to fuse. Cutting lasers, you want to put out, you know, a little heat as possible. The, you know, the, not the problem, the, always the debate on the market is that there's two technologies. Longer pulse cutting lasers, where they're called fiber lasers. And by the way, that's something that we do a lot here in Lydium just basically educate our customers on what's the laser technology because that's really important for them to know you know what technology is best suited for the specific application for example for you know cutting you know stainless steel uh fiber laser or longer pulse laser will make more sense due to the cost right because you'll be able to cut faster because the um average material removal rate it's way faster on a thermal system or thermal laser but then on the femtosecond laser it's like a you know it's, it's like basically like a comparing a blowtorch to a surgical knife right mm -hmm. so 
the femtoid, you're just going fast. You're cutting. It's really cost-effective for stainless steel or for any alloy. The heat-affected zone is not that important. Or you can post-process a lot. That means that you can remove all these heat-affected zones by mechanical methods or chemi chemical methods. Then that it's, it makes sense. But when you need, you know, specific uh, features and uh, extreme control on accuracy, then you want the high power femtosecond lasers. And that's what, you know, we're experts here in lithium and processing that you know, with this type of laser. Interesting. You talked a little bit about speed. And I'm wondering when you work on a development project, from R&D and, and go to VNV to commercialization. Talk to us a little bit about scalability of that laser processing technique. Sure, I think, you know, what we do a lot is when, you know, when we start working with the, pro with the uh, new programs, we ask always the customer what, you know, in what area of the development cycle this program is, right? Because you need to plan ahead for scalability, right? It's not the same developing a process for doing, you know, 500 parts a year than, you know, millions, right? Mm -hmm. And it's not the same also to do a delivery system part that's a single use that, you know, creating an implant that it will have, you know, electropolishing, passivation, and you name it, because it's just, and uh, it's just the therapy given device. So what we do is that, you know, obviously we want to be there first. We want to know what's the volumes and what's the threat, the timeline for this device. And then, you know, planning ahead with process development, validation and whatnot, so we can develop steady and stable processes so they are repeatable, right? And that's where when we start with the right technology and the right design, it will, it will just flow. Uh, I know that, you know, in, the, in this industry, there's not a lot of time, right? It's go, go, go. But that's where a lot of time just experience matters, right? Just yep. being, you know, putting processes, or, you know, on the, on the line before it's the best uh, uh, school for doing it, you know, afterwards, right? Because you learn so much by doing all this process validation, by doing all these studies that, that there's no, there's no, um, there's no replacement for experience on the on the laser cutting natural world. Uh, let's just put it that way. <laughs> you, you you mentioned post processing. Let's let's turn our attention to post processing of nitinol after laser cutting. Why do you need to do that, and what methods are used? Sure. So post processing is used basically to enhance the surface of the natural device. So to enhance performance, I make to give this, you know, shiny finish that is not always shiny, right? It's just corrosion resistance, fatigue resistance, because you will eliminate any micro crack propagation because there's not going to be areas that cracks can start and then migrate, right? So after we do all the thermal processing, we will remove all the oxide and then we will get the part to an electropolishing state. That electropolishing state basically, like, like I said before, enhance the surface finish and the corrosion resistance of the of natinol. And it will also round all corners because a lot of times that's really important for the designer because it doesn't they don't want any sharp edges or corners to have any detrimental effect on the body, right? Most of the time people want, you know, round, you know, uh, uh, smooth surfaces.
so the device will glide on the delivery system and it will also you know find its nice place inside of the body so uh and by i think 90 percent of what we do at Lydium, especially on Natino, we'll get electropolish and then passivate Okay. The passivation is to prevent corrosion. So even though Natino is, you know, corrosion resistance, you know, naturally, it will build a toxic layer just by uh, 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 being on the air, by being exposed to nature. Like we want to thick homogeneous oxide layers. So we will use the, the last step, we'll use a nitric or any mild acid to build that oxide layer. So then, you know, we improve their corrosion resistance by a lot. Okay. Um, I was wondering, are there any techniques used to, to modify the surface, the outer surface, I think, or the inner of a, a laser process stent to improve bonding with uh, like a polymeric cover, like a expanded PTFE or, or maybe even a, a drug carrying polymeric coating. Is there anything that would en enhance the bonding characteristics between the polymeric cover and the stent? Yeah, yes, that's a technique typically used, right? So we will use the laser to cut the geometry, right? To laser cut, but then we will put the part after it's been processed on another laser system that it's a lot less power. Instead of manipulating the part under the laser, we're manipulating the laser in top of the part. So layer by layer, we will change the surface morphology of the device to you know to whatever uh the designer needs to put on the surface right we can make it hydroscopic we can make it so it adhere you know increase adhesion you name it but yes it's a subsequent step but that is the beauty of the laser right the lasers these days are so controllable that we can control the photons to be strong enough to cut through the material or just to change the surface morphology of the material ah, interesting very interesting. I had uh, Dan Kasprzyk from Poba Medical on season one, and they're a developer of novel balloon technologies. And Dan was telling me about some development work he's doing to add microsurfaces to the outer OD of a balloon to 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 create traction or grip with between the balloon and, and an inner body lumen. So is that the same same idea? You could potentially add some micro surfaces to increase grip as well yeah the laser don't know the difference right it just yeah. you know it's just a matter of finding the correct wavelength the correct technique in order to uh, create the desired surface effect but yes it's exactly the same technology and that's the beauty of the laser right when you can use the same technology for polymers and you can use the same technology for metals and that's the beauty of like high power femtosecond lasers. The uh, uh, the control on the photons are it's so tight and so great these days that they're almost these days all impervious to different metals, to different polymers. It will just ablate. You know, obviously yeah. everything has you know limits in life, but we're getting to the point that you know the technology is there and the power is there, and there's multi wavelength lasers. Uh, you know. We can talk about it forever. Yeah. That's the problem. <laughs> okay. You know, we, we want to talk a little bit about 
some trends we're seeing in the industry related to night and all. And you kind of touched on that earlier where in the past, maybe just the device, a stent or a heart valve frame would be of night and all, but you're seeing more night and all components, metal components in general being used in delivery systems, core wires, braid wires, and all, whatever it might be. Talk to us a little bit about that or maybe other trends you're seeing as it relates to nitinol and medical devices. Yeah, well, like, you know, like you said, we, you know, first it was only used for the therapy-given devices, right? Because that is the, it was because that's the only part of the deliver, of the system that allowed to uh, spend the money uh, because the cost was higher on, you know, on the, on the device. But now with the prices of natural going lower and also the industry really embracing the technology, again, we're seeing a lot of embracement on, you know, robotic surgery, right? Just because of these, you know, nice features that you can do, you can do super elasticity. You can change, you know, how it feels distally, proximally, you name it. So it's mostly that. And then on the cal uh, on the catheters, right? Before only natural was used maybe on the braiding, right? It was braiding natural or to give stiffness. Or now it's just a combination of maybe braiding, maybe tubing, different polymers, ablation. And again, maybe doing different heat treatment techniques. For example, you can have a long you know, deliver system parts that distally will feel completely different than proximally. Why? Because of maybe uh, grinding techniques, uh, telemark treatments, we can polish a certain area, we can make windows. It's just, that's why we love lasers combined with natural and polymers because the sky's the limit of the application, especially for medical devices. I love it. I love your, your, enthusiasm too related to night and all it's awesome so glad to have the opportunity to talk to you about this and want to wrap things up things up and just talk about a stocking program that you have for night and all we've seen in this space more access for components whether it be medical tubing night and all um, different a wide variety of components that are you can get through online stores and have them on your your desk within days so tell us a little bit about this night and all stocking program that you started recently? Yeah, I think we all got accustomed to the Amazon treatment, right, Steve? Like yeah. we want to click, you know, and get instant gratification, right? So we're trying to get almost the same model on the medical device industry per se, but just mostly on the R&D phase. You know, the problem years ago was the getting the raw material for us to start processing part, parts it took a long time. So mostly developers were relying just on computer simulation and models before they actual, you know, get up on their hands. So what we're trying to do is, you know, turbocharge uh, this development from, you know, design to actually getting a part in your hand. So what we're trying to do is, you know, when the designer gets, you know, the first, you know, uh, concept that he wants to do we want to have tubes in house so in the amount of days we can put a part on the designer's hand instead of them you know just playing with computer simulation for month and month and month then you get the this the first part and it feels completely different than the intent because all the computer models they are just as good as all the assumptions right 
So nothing beats to put a part in your hand really quickly. So that's why we have, you know, more than 2,000 SKUs of, you know, raw material nitro in hand because we want to be able to get parts to the designers within days. So then, you know, you can uh, quickly uh, uh, change the design and make it better. Or, you know, then we can go and do the uh, production realm subsequently. Because what happened on the past is that, you know, when a designer came with an idea and they send it to the contract manufacturers around to get quoted, if, you know, the quote back was six months, that idea is going nowhere. Because if you just want to test the concept, you have to wait six months to get a part of your hand to put it maybe in, in you know, in, in hands of a physician to get feedback. Yeah, just, you know, it just kills, you know, innovation. So we want to fuel innovation, and that's why we have material in stock, so we can, you know, get parts uh, in a matter of days. Excellent. And you said 2,000 SKUs. That's a good start. <laughs> 200 SKUs, sorry. 200 oh, SKUs. Okay. <laughs> we wish. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. Hey, Jose, this has been a great conversation. Thanks. Thank you so much for joining and, and sharing your thoughts and knowledge on Night and All and, and We'll continue to, to get the knowledge base out there and educate the industry. And I guess, Steve, an open invite, like, uh, you know, I would love to get your hands dirty with nitron. Like, it will it will change from your, all your, you know, polymeric experience to start, you know, it setting and, you know, extrapolation yeah. some parts. And, yeah. you know, we want you to actually cut up on the laser. That would be pretty cool. All right. I'm going to take you up on that. Awesome, Steve. So right. again, uh, thanks for your time and uh, we keep on rolling. All right. Thank you. Thank you for listening to MedEx, the medical extrusion podcast presented by U.S. Extruders. Please subscribe to make sure you're getting the latest episodes. For video episodes, go to us-extruders.com forward slash podcasts. All links are available in the show notes.